Welcome to the Functional Medicine Radio Show with your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga, known internationally as the Functional Medicine Doc. Dr. Carrie is committed to helping patients find the root cause of their health problems and fixing the cause with natural treatments so they can feel normal again. Dr. Carrie is the founder of Functional Medicine Ontario and is the author of the hit book, Reclaim Your Energy and Feel Normal Again. Please welcome your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Functional Medicine Radio Show, the only internet radio show dedicated to giving you real solutions to improve your health. Not only are they real solutions, but they're natural solutions as well, because as you know, the one and only true wealth you have is your health. I'm your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga, the Functional Medicine Doc, and I'm committed to helping you find the root cause of your health problem, fix the cause with natural treatments so you can feel normal again and live your life to the fullest. I'm so excited about today's show because I have back on our podcast, Dr. Mark Berhene. Let me tell you a little bit about him. Dr. Berhene is the creator and author of AskTheDentist.com and the best-selling author of The 8-Hour Sleep Paradox. He's a family and sleep medicine dentist, member of the American Academy of General Dentistry and the American Academy of Dental Sleep Medicine. Dr. Berhenna, thank you so much for being my special guest today on this episode of the Functional Medicine Radio Show. Carrie, thanks for having me back on the show. I'm very excited. So, Mark, it's been about a year since we spoke last. I remember on our last interview, you had actually just come out with your best-selling book, The 8-Hour Sleep Paradox, and we were talking all about sleep apnea and snoring and the importance of having adults tested but also children yes um, and I'm very excited about that because there have been a lot of developments in that area Uh, it's a very complicated topic but it's a very important topic because if we weren't adults that had small airways because we developed improperly or poorly um, you know we wouldn't wouldn't have needed to have that conversation why not catch it early why not catch it in our formative years So in today's podcast, I wanted to really focus more on children because I don't think there's much information out there, you know, for parents to understand about children and how they sleep and if they're snoring and that they should be checked for apnea. So I know that you're the expert that's going to help all of us understand this topic a little bit more you know, better. So why should parents be concerned about their children's sleep and and especially like the development of their uh, skull and their facial bones and their palate? Right. It's, It's really, it's really, you're right. It isn't discussed often enough, although that is changing. Um, you know, we're looking at it differently. There's something called the sleep breathing paradigm that was coined, that phrase was coined, or that concept was, um, was brought to everyone by Dr. Park, an ENT on the East Coast. And that essentially um, states, and, and I am completely 100% behind it, that we are all susceptible to um, uh, breathing issues at night especially, that we all have compromised breathing and we all have the potential for some kind of interruption due to a collapsing airway. And the question is, is okay, we've talked about the adults. So, you know, we, we know about obstructive sleep apnea, sleep disorder breathing. Uh, we know that, you know, if you're, you know, a, an overweight uh, 60-year-old male that weighs 300 pounds with a big neck size, that, yeah, okay, we snore and, and we have sleep apnea. But what we don't know is that you can be 
um, you know, a healthy premenopausal petite low BMI woman and and have uh, obstructive sleep apnea or UARS. And then one, take it one step further, you can be a one-year-old, you can be a seven-year-old, you can be suffering, you can be a teenager, and no one really will know, you know, that you are not sleeping well because your, your airway is collapsing. So it's kind of been working backwards, which I guess we do a lot in, in healthcare. And uh, in a way, you could say that we're really working towards a big, uh, the, the large comprehensive root cause, and that is how we develop. How do we get into this sleep breathing paradigm how do we how do we get to the point where we're a lot of us 30 percent of us perhaps more are suffering because we can't sleep properly because we can't breathe properly and what is the root cause of that well it's our development it it starts early on perhaps even you know prenatally i mean um and we can talk about that we can talk about prenatal perinatal and postnatal um, considerations in terms of development but and the irony for me at least as a dentist is that this has been kind of in my backyard all along I mean dentists are trained in dental school and this is our realm we're responsible for facial development we study it in school we look at um, um, you know side views of the skull we measure uh, you know the gonian angle you know how the ramus how tall the ramus gets. These are all anatomical features of the jaw and the uh, the mandible and the skull and, and uh, the base of the skull. It, and then we even get some anthropology uh, in, in dental school, which I always found fascinating. But it, it's almost full circle now where I'm realizing how important this is, as are a lot of dentists and ENTs uh, and physicians. So again, you could kind of call this, uh, refer to this as a root cause that we are now finally beginning to to work on, and that is looking at our children for uh, and trying to screen early for problems that could lead to uh, sleep apnea or UARS later in life. So, from the aspect of the parent, what should be the what should they be looking for with their baby, with their child, uh, when it comes to um, maybe signs or symptoms that might lead them down the track to to consult a specialist. Right. So there are a lot of things that uh, are pretty simple to look for. I mean, you just have to know what they are. And um, one thing that I, I like to look for or, or to talk to parents about, because it's a pretty simple thing that you can kind of send them send them home with, with homework and what to look for. I, I ask parents to go in and, you know, after their child has been asleep for an hour, half hour, and before perhaps before the parent goes to bed, uh, is to go in and look at their child sleeping. Most parents do this anyway, just to make sure the child's fine. But to look at the lip posture or whether their lips are parted open or whether they're closed. In other words, what I want them to look for and, and to differentiate is their child a nose breather or are they a mouth breather. And mouth breathing has a lot of consequences. It tells us a lot. It tells us that the child already has developed in into, uh, into a... Um, kind of into that paradigm where they're not going to develop correctly because they're bringing in the air incorrectly. They can't breathe through their nose. The tongue position may be off. If the tongue position is off, then the jaw won't widen properly. Um, in dentistry, we always we, we talk about how the muscles grow the bones of the face. It's not the other way around. It, it's not the face that grows and then the muscles and tendons all fill in. It's the muscles that grow the bones. Uh, again, um, man is the only primate 
that can get impacted third molars. Why is that? Because our jaws don't form properly. We're not breathing properly. Um, so for, if your child is mouth breathing, that is a, a really quick way of knowing that you've got to get help. And I would recommend this at age one, two, or three. Um, my referrals now to ENTs, even orthodontists, uh, and this I think will surprise a lot of people, start at age five. Uh, most people think they, they need to get an orthodontic referral, you know, maybe age eight or nine for phase one treatment, or, you know, in the old days it was age 12 to 13, wait till all the teeth are in and then just move the teeth. Well, what if the jaw hasn't uh, formed properly? You're, you're not going to be able to move the teeth properly because the jaw won't allow it. So, so that's one easy thing to look for. But there are other things too. There's the child's behavior. You know, are they edgy? Are they, do they get angry? Do they fall asleep really quickly? Um, are they, do they have cravings for, you know, crazy cravings for uh, carbohydrates, uh, candy, um, is a big one. Um, I see this happen all the time. The kids that have sleep disorder breathing issues where they're not sleeping well, um, they have they, they, they need sugar. That's a natural thing to look for because the body is craving energy. Uh, it's tired. Um, uh, we all know that obstructive sleep apnea is a precursor or, or predilects you to um, insulin resistance. Well, that's where it starts. Um, I mean, your blood sugar levels are all over the place. Uh, if you're not getting, you know, deep sleep, delta wave sleep, growth hormone release when you're in deep sleep. So those are a few things. You can also, um, you know, bedwetting is perhaps a sign. Um, snoring. Kids can snore. Um, if your kid is snoring, that's not a normal thing. For, for me as a healthcare practitioner, that's an automatic referral to a pediatric ENT. Your child, it's not normal. It's not cute either. A lot of parents think it's cute. They'll even come in with a videotape. Uh, a little off their smartphone of a recording, um, a videotape of their kids snoring that they've shared with family. Look, you know, little little Jennifer's snoring, isn't it adorable? Um, and it's not. It's a sign that they can't get enough air uh, past their airway, and they're probably mouth breathing if they're snoring. Um, throwing the sheets around, ending up 180 degrees in bed. Uh, that, that's uh, throwing the sheets off. That's typically like a night sweat thing. That's related to sleep apnea. Um, grinding, bruxism. That's a great dental thing that parents can pick up on. Um, uh, you, you see, the teeth are worn. Most parents can hear their child grinding or bruxing, and for me, that is a, an indicator, along with other things. Um, kind of this cluster of things uh, that the child is suffering. They are trying to open their airway by involuntarily moving their mandible around as if they're choking. So those are some of the signs. Um, you know, there, there's more, but uh, um, I think what they need to do is, I think every child needs to be, and I've talked about this in, in my first book, and, and I'll talk about it again in another book, um, uh, on facial development, and that is that every child should have their sleep verified. Every person should have their sleep verified. Uh, it's a foundation. It's a pillar of health, along with the gut microbiome and then diet and exercise. It is, if you don't have that, nothing else, everything else will fall apart. It won't work. You can diet and exercise, but if you're not sleeping properly, uh, you're spinning your wheels. So yeah, That's what I was just thinking. Yeah, you can diet. Yeah. You can have the right diet, the right exercise. You can be taking handfuls of supplements. None right. of it's going to work if you're not sleeping well. Exactly. And I, I remember from our first interview together, and by the way, for the listeners out there, I'll 
I'll find that interview and I'll put the link for that in the podcast notes so that you can listen to that interview too because that was really informative. So I remember in our last interview when we were talking about adults, you had said snoring is never normal, never. It should always be checked out. It's very common, but it's never normal. Right, and and, and here's the second part to that. Um, if you don't snore, that doesn't mean that everything is okay. Your airway could constrict so much that you can't snore. In other words, snoring is a partial collapse of the airway. It's The airway is touching, but you're able to get air through it. Think of an oboe reed. That's how the oboe reed makes noise. It's two pieces of reed material that are squeezed together, but you're getting the air past it, and it vibrates. Um, and a lot of people, I, I know I have a lot of patients, uh, mostly men in their 40s, that don't snore, but then when we get the sleep study, we realize that they're just having long apneas, and they're going from apnea to apnea, and they can't snore because their airway is so occluded. So that's just, you know, I'm just saying snoring, absolutely. And then going back to what you were saying about behavior in kids, you know, explaining about the sugar cravings and the need for energy, that makes complete sense. And we know that lack of sleep, can have long-term consequences. So I wanted to ask you, because I get a lot of questions from parents about um, treating ADD, ADHD. Um, If a child has issues with ADD or ADHD, focus, concentration, would, would you also consider that under the under the that kind of topic of behavior as being a possible uh, sign or symptom of a breathing issue? Yes. Um, absolutely. Uh, the problem is, is that most parents and teachers pick up uh, ADD, ADHD later. Um, and what I'm worried about there is, I mean, in hindsight, perhaps you can say, oh, yeah, my, I did see the early signs of ADHD. But it gets picked up usually by age 9, 8, 9, 10, 11. And in some cases, that's too late because if you want to, you know, uh, take out tonsils, adenoids, uh, uh, do an early orthodontic referral to widen the arches, uh, to widen the arches and and get the patient to breathe better uh, with skeletal changes, uh, starting at 9 or 10 or 11 or 14, it, it's too late. Um, there's very little you can do because most, most of the development is done. So, but you're right. I mean, um, I think uh, I just saw a tweet the other day. It could have, um, um, I forget, but it was a great tweet. It was basically saying that ADHD is a sign. It was a reverse of what we normally see. It was that ADHD is a sign that, uh, you know, there is OSA. Uh, there is an obstruction of the airway. So it's 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 in the literature. Um, and I'm still surprised when I make referrals uh, to the appropriate, you know, healthcare professionals that I get a lot of pushback like, oh, come on, just because this patient snores, um, has big tonsils, is a mouth breather, and has ADHD, there, there's really no reason to have concern or to get the sleep study. And, th- and that's what, you know, that's the frustrating part. That's why I wrote the first book. I felt like I was standing on the sidelines with all this information trying to help my patients. And then when it went to the uh, primary care physician, it would get kicked back. And um, and that's why, you know, I have to write about facial development. I mean, that message needs to get out there. But, of course, you know, when it gets to the layperson via the, you know, the web and books and it's it's going to it's going to it's going to take it's going to take off. I share some of those similar frustrations uh, working with other health providers that 
that sometimes the solution can be relatively simple or easy, you know, from the outside, and and it can be just brushed off, which is right. which is too bad. So, okay, so going back, you were saying for parents to check for is the child a nose breather or a mouth breather while they're sleeping? Mm-hmm. Watch yep. their behavior. Are they a bedwetter? Do they snore or not? Do they grind? Are they all wrapped up in their sheets at night? Um, right. And so if a parent is seeing this in their child, then what's the next step for them? Uh, it's a great question. And, and again, that's where the frustration uh, occurred for me. Um, uh, unfortunately, we do have now um, a, a great uh, solution. Um, it's a company called Knit Health. Uh, uh, I am the medical, one of the medical advisors for it. Um, we've, we finally have a product. Um, let me back up a little bit. So the frustration was uh, we would send to a primary care physician or a pediatric uh, referral to a pediatric physician. And a lot of the time, you know, uh, it would it would just say, let's just wait and see and see how the child develops. They'll grow out of their adenoid face or their swollen adenoids and tonsils. And, and to me, that's very frustrating because every minute counts. Every, every night they mouth breathe, they are... Uh, affecting their development of their face uh, and and lower face and airway so um, but now uh, so the intent there was to get a sleep study to get the child into a sleep study a sleep study at the PSG the polysomnography is very inconvenient for a child they have to sleep in someone else's bed in a a hospital or a a clinic the parent has to be there they have all these things glued to their face Uh, it's an it's a very foreign environment to them you know, uh, they may not have all their stuffed animals there and the security of all that. That is a problem, even if they do get the sleep study. And that's why we developed this product where they send you something in the mail. It's a camera. And for 21 days, they give they, there's a 21-day assessment of your child's sleep. And it is a comprehensive, as good, if not better, than a PSG. And nothing is attached to the child's face. They're sleeping in their own bed. Uh, everything, in fact, they don't even know, need to know that the camera's there. Uh, it's a tiny little camera that gets Velcroed anywhere above the child. And then um, you get the assessment. It gets sent back to you. I recommend having that done every year until the child is maybe 15 years old. Um, um, anyway, it's it's wonderful technology. Uh, we're, it's going to be adapted to adults soon. Uh, I think oh, yeah, day- that, that was my next question. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the days of the PSG, I think, are numbered. It's, it's a cumbersome, expensive test that it, it's this little... A threshold that is hard to get past uh, um, to get to get that diagnosis. And considering how many people, uh, I mean, probably fifty percent of women uh, before menopause, healthy women, have some kind of sleep disorder breathing. How do we pick that up? Uh, th- those are RERAs. That's called UARS. Uh, the PSG usually doesn't pick it up. It can. Our test does. Uh, this little camera actually does pick that up as well. So it's nice to know what your child is doing all night long. To get a 21-day assessment for $200, which is less than a co-payment for a PSG, is absolutely amazing. Um, uh, I, that's what I recommend. I mean, I finally have something that I can fall back on. Before, it was, I almost, it was almost to the point where I hated bringing up the fact that, you know, your child has some issues or your child, it's happened yesterday. Two children came in um, a three-year-old and a nine-year-old. And the nine-year-old we had been working with, and we actually recommended mouth taping, uh, and the parent took it to heart. And the nine-year-old came in and was so excited. Of course, he was in better shape than we saw him last time. And he told me that he loves mouth taping and that his dreams aren't scary anymore. 
I mean, I don't know how important that is, but obviously he has a better sense of, of how he is sleeping. The three-year-old, of course, is coming online and shows signs of of a small airway, mouth breathing, irritable, uh, chapped lips. Uh, a lower chapped lip, as opposed to no upper chapped lip, is a great indication that the child is tugging on their lower lip to pull down their nose to help them breathe through their nose. Um, that's I read that a few months ago, and now I've been seeing that, and there certainly is a correlation there. Uh, I, I always thought it was just wintertime stuff or a habit that the child had, but it's really the body trying to open up the, the nostrils to get in more air. It's fascinating. So anyway, um, uh, so my point was that I didn't want to, I, I, I felt the dread of bringing up because I knew it would be a long conversation. I would have to explain to the parents, you know, what is going on. And the dread was, but I have no solution. I'm going to send you to a primary care physician, and it's going to end there. It's going to stop. And nothing will happen. And to me, that was very frustrating. Finally, we have something where we can just refer them to this test. They get the report, and the referral was made to the appropriate referral at that point. And they send you a... 20-page glossy report, uh, 21 days of what is your child doing, what are the implications, what's the quality of their sleep, uh, the quantity, uh, what what could be the issues. Uh, it's, it's a wonderful uh, tool for helping verify our sleep, and it will be adapted to adults soon. That's very exciting. As a doctor who does recommend patients go for sleep studies, and mm-hmm. I totally understand the pushback for adults. I mean, it's got to be so hard for kids. So mm-hmm. this this is very exciting. So thank you for bringing that you know to the public. Um, so um, going back to facial development, um, what what are some of the things that uh, cause or influence? Uh, facial development is it just like genetics and you were talking about prenatal and perinatal and postnatal right so um we um i mean essentially uh speech and language our ability to speak if you look back in the primate the evolution of the primates speech and language came at a cost of breathing we can speak but we can also choke and we're the only primate that can choke um um and you know why did that happen you know how could evolution allow that to happen well you know nothing's perfect and of course we're still here but we're able to communicate uh we're evidently a very sophisticated species but we have problems sleeping because we have that ability to speak so what happened is if you look at at the changes you know from neanderthal to to you know from cro-magnon to to our current state uh, a lot of things happened um, in terms of positioning, especially in the airway. The tongue uh, sat, the, so the the voice box, the relationship of the voice box, the larynx, the tongue, um, and then the curve in our tube, in our airway, because we're upright beings, uh, all of that changed over the years. Uh, even where, even the little hole, it's called the foramen, where the, uh, in, the um, spinal cord attaches to the base of the skull, that has moved forward over time um uh the um the shape of the nose how the how the nasal cavity sits over the palate has changed uh the position of the tongue in relationship to the epiglottis um and the voice box the vocal cords has changed everything's kind of tightened up and gotten very close to themselves and because of that 
our airway has been compromised. And again, that's that sleep-breathing paradigm that Dr. Park talks about. We are all susceptible to breathing issues because of how we evolved. Um, and then, so that's genetics. And then there's the epigenetics of it. You know, when we come out of the womb, you know, what things can affect us adversely in terms of development? Again, we're not, we're not our final product until we're fully developed, maybe at age 12 or 15, um, and so what things can affect that? Well, here, here, here's a list. Uh, it's the modern diet. It's soft food as opposed to chewing hard foods. It's bottle feeding as opposed to breastfeeding. Uh, I can expand on these things later if you want. The soft diet I talked about. Uh, thumb sucking, pacifiers, nasal congestion, which would be allergies. Uh, there are a lot of things in our environment, certain a lot of foods that uh, make us uh, almost from the day we come out of the womb allergic and we become mouth breathers because our noses are congested um uh have you ever noticed how and i've always kind of thought this and and now we're finally getting an explanation all our kids need braces uh if you look at uh, adults that you know uh in the archaeological archaeological records i mean from even two thousand years ago or four thousand years ago um they they didn't there was no crowding there was there were no caries there was no cavities of course but but um what what's changed since then well you know we're not breastfeeding as much it's difficult to do that in our society unfortunately um we have a lot of allergens we've created a lot of foods and products that do um congest us and if we're breathing through our mouth and we're not swallowing properly again it's the muscles the action of swallowing the action of sucking on you know mother's breast because that's hard i mean that takes a lot of work that sucking motion actually helps the jaw and the airway and the skull the the bones around the airway the structure for all this stuff gets attached to it helps develop it in a certain way um we are developing with smaller lower faces uh steeper angle jawed uh, jaws uh lower jaws smaller airways certainly narrower arches where the tongue gets pushed back there's no room for our tongue um, we're seeing a lot more tongue tie. Um, you know, it's 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 really frightening uh, to see, and uh, we, we we could turn it around. I mean, if we wanted to, in the next generation. I mean, in our current generation, it is an epigenetic thing that if we can just change the external factors. You know, not use sippy cups, breastfeed longer, uh, if possible. Um, those kind of things. Then then this can all be can be can be dealt with properly and we won't grow up into adults that have issues that impact us that you know kind of uh affect the quality of our lives especially in our latter years with systemic diseases so one of the things that you said was about um the vast majority of kids now need orthodontics and and so one of my questions for you is does ortho do orthodontics fix this problem well, it can. Uh, it depends on which orthodontist you see. Now, if you just see an orthodontist that wants to straighten the teeth, no, it doesn't fix it. Um, um, you could have a narrow, high-vaulted arch with a narrow uh, arch width. Uh, for example, take the if you, if you can visualize the distance between your upper left second molar and your upper right second molar, there's a distance there. That, that, that needs to be wide. Our faces need to be wide. They can't be long and narrow. Long and narrow. Just think, if you have a long and narrow face, you have a long and narrow airway. Everything gets pinched. Um, so that pterygoid width, that's, those are the, uh, that bone up there that, that holds the second molar, upper second molar, it's the pterygoid it process. It, um, 
that if that is has proper width then think about all the bones and the holes the the uh, uh, in the bone nearby that that would affect the height of the of the vault of the palate because there it's right next to it um, it would pull it down a little bit like a curtain um, there there's a posterior nasal aperture there those two little holes that where we get our post nasal drip where the nose drops through into the airway those widen if you're molars are far enough apart um what else happens uh, the length of the the forward to backwards length of the jaw is good uh your wisdom teeth come in there's enough room for them i mean so that's just one measurement there are, there are hundreds of other measurements that if they're not if they're off it's going to affect uh, your airway so yeah i mean everyone's getting braces the, i see very few maybe two to five percent that don't need braces there's something wrong with that. That's not how we were 4,000 years ago. So Mar- and we weren't removing wisdom teeth. We it, weren't doing that. Yeah. So, so Mark, I want to ask you a really dumb question here. Oh, no, please. Um, do all dentists know about this? Or is it just you that you're that specialized? Like, right, I know right now parents that are listening um, are seeing these things in their children. They want to know who's the right person to bring their child to see to get them right. assessed no that's a good question um i'm almost afraid to answer it um <laughs> i mean it, it, there, there there are a lot of dentists that know this i mean again when i talked earlier about my dental school which was 30 years ago uh we did talk about this i think some of it gets forgotten um you know as healthcare practitioners we get into ruts you know we follow you know we we bill for you know, based on codes and procedures, and that, that happens to every healthcare pr- practitioner. Um, I, I think the information's out there. I would say that I would say it, w- it will happen often, where you'll take the information as a, as a as a listener today f- that that you heard here. You'll go to your dentist, and you'll you may get a blank look. I mean, that could happen. It's likely that will happen. Um, and and I think that's a good thing because then maybe you need to see another dentist. Um, I'm very cautious on orthodontic referrals now. Um, and I wish I had known this when I, my kids were getting ortho. Uh, I would say they're only in my area. Again, I'm in the Silicon Valley. You know, millions of people, a lot of orthodontists. There are only three within a 50-mile radius that would treat the patient in the way that I would want them to be treated, um, and would even accept a referral at age five. That's an early referral, but that's when you want to get going. Um, um, I mean, expansion, there's a, a technique in orthodontics that is finally finding favor again, and that is rapid maxillary expansion, is if the child was a mouth breather, a thumb sucker, um, has a very narrow vaulted arch, that distance between the second molars is narrow, we can widen that. We can widen that very quickly in a matter of months with just by gluing an appliance and getting that width back. And by getting that width back, there are a lot of other things that follow. So, um, you know, assuming that the nose breathing is addressed and, and, and all of that as well. So, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's difficult. Um, uh, a lot of this information is, is new, although it's been around for a while as well. But you know how that works, right? Information kind of disappears and it comes back up. We add something new to it. So it may be difficult for people. Uh, not every dentist is going to give you this information, unfortunately. And uh, can you talk about your upcoming book? So you, we talked about that last time. And again, it's it's being written out of frustration, standing on the sidelines, uh, 
not seeing children uh, being uh, you know referred to the right people and uh, it's in process we've uh, again with my daughter my daughter and I write these books and we're thinking maybe because it's such a we pulled the chapter this is the chapter this book is coming from the chapter that we pulled out of uh, the eight-hour paradox because it was so complicated and so long and it kind of just threw off the first book because it was just like a big anchor um, and we wanted to develop it more so we've been working on it and again there's been a lot of new information um, and what we thought we would do instead of writing a book and again we haven't decided on this uh, um, completely yet but um, we thought of maybe doing an online seminar and guiding people through it because conceptually even for me even for Dennis it's difficult it's a tough nut to crack there's so much going on um, it has to really there's a flow to it and if you if this then this and then you got to do this and and then you have to wait two years and wait till the ortho kicks in and and to see and then you have to verify it. you're gonna have to do that knit health exam and every maybe every six months every two years uh, I see parents struggle with this and I go I go through the struggle with them and it is complicated so it really needs perhaps a different format and we're working on that it would be like a weekly thing and a checkoff list and and maybe a big flow chart that kind of thing so so it's it's in process we're very excited about it the the working title was sleepy head I don't know if we'll stick with that but um, it's important I mean we, we we have to make sure our children reach their full genetic potential and it's not happening and if you take if you take if you if you use crowded crowding teeth uh, no room for wisdom teeth as a litmus paper well that's 98% of the population right there that is not developing correctly so if you want to correlate that to perhaps airway involvement and and uh, I mean it gets scary if you look at those numbers so yeah we're, we're evolving uh, I'm not sure we're evolving in the, in the right direction so um, can you go back to the 21 day sleep assessment uh, where can lis- listeners find out information about that for their oh, children absolutely. and then the upcoming for the adult version Right, yeah. So right now it's just the under age 18. It's knithealth.com slash perhenna. So that's K-N-I-T health.com slash perhenna. Uh, that gets you a discount if you um, if you go to that website. Um, it's, it's, it's I, I just get goosebumps when I think about it. I mean, it's finally something, it's, it's, it's something that I've been either subconsciously or and consciously been needing and looking for probably for the last last six seven years and um i i hope it does well i think insurance eventually will catch on and and just cover this i mean it's something that we need there are other countries like iceland italy a lot of these countries are screening routinely their children for sleep why aren't we doing that i mean supposedly we have a great healthcare system i think it's terrible uh, we we wait till the comorbidities show up like diabetes heart disease then we put stents in we love doing that, and we're good at it. But why not prevent that to begin with? How about mental uh, mood disorders, a depression? Uh, let's let's get that. Let's let's look at the root cause of it. If it's sleep, ADHD. Why are we giving Ritalin when we can perhaps eliminate that altogether? Again, it's a, it's a flawed system. So if we have the right test, it's inexpensive. We get past the politics and the cost of it. Um, then this could solve a lot. So for $200, you get this great test, and then I think there's a uh, recall system for $14.99 a month where you can get tested anytime you want. It's a bargain. 
And then Dr. Perhenna, how can our listeners find out more about you and where can they get a copy of your book, The 8-Hour Sleep Paradox? Well, that's easy. Amazon.com. Just type in Perhenna. You'll see it. Um, you can get a Kindle version, paperback version shipped to you. Um, uh, you can go to our website, uh, askthedentist.com. Um, we have a great, um, speak, speaking of recently of what we just spoke about, we have a great guest writer that wrote an article on uh, tongue tie, which is something that should be looked at. Um, uh, Sarah Hornsby wrote that article. She's a myofunctional therapist that I refer to via Skype. My patients Skype with her. She's up in Seattle, and they get myofunctional advice on how to swallow, um, you know, if you are tongue-tied. That if you, Simply said, if your, tongue, if your child is tongue-tied, if their tongue cannot move around properly, again, the muscles can't grow the bones, that tongue will not move properly, hence the jaw will not form properly, hence the, the airway will be impacted later on in life. So there's a great, uh, a recent, I think it's our most recent uh, blog post on that, on tongue tie. So askthedentist.com would be a great resource, uh, not only for dental, but also for sleep and development. Fantastic. So for our, our listeners out there, I'll make sure to find all of those links and have them in the podcast notes so that you can easily find Dr. Berhenna and all of the great information he has to offer. Dr. Berhenna, thank you so much for being my special guest today. This is, again, another awesome interview. Thank you, Carrie. Pleasure to be here. All right, that wraps up this very special episode of the Functional Medicine Radio Show with Dr. Mark Berhenna. And I want to thank you, our listeners, for tuning in today. And I'd like to invite you back next time for another episode of the Functional Medicine Radio Show. As always, I'm your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga, the Functional Medicine Doc. Have a great week, everyone. You've been listening to the Functional Medicine Radio Show with your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga, known internationally as the Functional Medicine Doc. Dr. Carrie is committed to helping patients find the root cause of their health problems and fixing the cause with natural treatments so they can feel normal again. Dr. Carrie is the founder of Functional Medicine Ontario and is the author of the hit book, Reclaim Your Energy and Feel Normal Again. Please tell your friends about the Functional Medicine Radio Show, and we'll see you next week with more from Dr. Carrie.